that jarring cacophony, concluding with yet another unusual version of the Doctor Who theme, tells you that you're listening to yet another episode of the Power of Three podcast. We are a trio of Doctor Who fans who, each week, discuss, digest, digress and disagree as we talk about our favourite time-travelling hero in all his adventures, whether on TV, audio, comic strips, animations, novels, action figures or yoghurts. Well, probably not yoghurts, but everything else counts. We like to think that our approach to podcasting can be quite unconventional, as no one can quite predict what we're going to do next. But this week, we're definitely taking a more conventional way to do things. I'm Kenny Smith, currently producing three podcasts a week, two of which are Doctor Who related, as well as writing Vortex for Big Finish. As ever, you are not alone when you do the power of three. And over here on my left is a friend of a quarter of a century, the clown prince of comics, the king of the printed page, the monarch of the gold, silver and bronze ages, the Duke of DC himself, David Steele. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm here all week. Try the deal. Thank you. Kenny, that's spectacular. I don't know if I could really honestly accept all of those those um those titles that you've given me. But you know, stuff it, why not? Yes, I am all of those things. Listen to the Off Two podcast, eat at Joe's. <laughs> and completing our unlikely triumvirate is a man who is so shy and retiring, it's hard to coax an opinion from him these days. Welcome, Mr. Tom Harris. Kenneth, how are we? Very good indeed. Very good indeed. Now that I've been COVID injectioned and immunised. Yes, I, I've been double vaxxed. I feel very smug. Stop rubbing it in. Only because I'm very old. Gents, today we're going to be talking about those gatherings. Remember those when people could get together en masse and not have to worry about social distancing? Where people congregate in one location to share their love of a particular thing. No, we're not talking about hanging around in public toilets. We're talking about conventions. Those social gatherings where people get together, often have a drink, have a laugh, and meet the heroes of their favourite TV show. Dave, let's start with your good self. What do you first recall hearing about conventions long before you went to one? Ooh, that's an excellent question. That's, that's an excellent question, Kenny. That's really, that is good. My first memory of hearing about conventions would have probably been either in Doctor Who magazine or in Doctor Who ce a celebration. In the sort of early to mid 80s, Doctor Who magazine would have these articles, these reports about these massive big, you know, they're quite legendary now, massive Doctor Who conventions that would take place in the States, where it seemed that everyone who was still alive had ever been in the programme would turn up. And I used to look at these photographs, they always seemed to have John Nathan Turner sort of standing next to some people who were, you know, nowadays they call it cosplay, in those days we call it dressing up. People were just dressed up as, as characters from the series, or photographs of John Pertwee and Peter Davison behind tables signing. And, and I used to be so envious of the people who go to these things and think, oh, wouldn't it be amazing just to go to one of these things and meet, you know, someone from Doctor Who? That that was a good long time before I even before I even went to one. So it was I it was always something that was a little bit sort of it felt a little bit out of reach. Tom, what about you? That's a good question. I think it must have been pretty, pretty, you know, right before I actually went to one. In 1979, during the summer holidays, and I was 15, a friend of mine, Craig, we both discovered, or he might have found out first, I can't remember, we discovered that there was a science fiction convention happening in the Ingram Hotel in Glasgow. Now, at the age of 15, we weren't 
really used to going up to Glasgow very much. We had gone up for a couple of shopping trips by Doctor Who books and other books and books full stop. That's all we ever bought in those days. And we occasionally went to the cinema. But we'd never really heard of a convention. It was called Faircon. And, and apparently by 1979, it'd been go for some time. So we got his father to take us up to Glasgow uh, in the back of his work van. And he dropped us off at Ingram Street. And we and it was just just mind blowing. I just didn't know these things existed. I mean, I was it was just like the sweetie shop was open. It was just wonderful. There was all, all the way through school, all the way through my childhood, I thought that I and a very few select friends were the only people in the world who were interested in science fiction and we were teased for it at school. We were the softies. We were interested in Doctor Who not football. And then suddenly we went to this place where everyone was the same as us. And it turned out I was a geek because all oh, these guys were geeks. And it was mostly men. The great thing about it was not just the, the shop where you could buy just about anything. And I got a copy of The Day of the Daleks, the first edition, with the old masthead, which I've been looking for for a very long time. But I'd given up hope of getting it. When I bought the reprinted one, I was disappointed that it was the new uh, masthead at the top. Didn't want that. Wanted the original one. And I got it at this science fiction convention. I got a lot of X-Men comics, I remember. And then the first time I'd ever saw like 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's the first time I'd ever seen Hardware Wars, which was a huge deal back in the late 70s and early 80s, a satirical show, which you, you can still get on, on YouTube. We watched it just recently, actually, and it's still relatively funny. And it was it was just brilliant. We went two days. My, Craig's dad kindly picked us up at night, took us home, brought us in the next day. I think we were training the second day, uh, but he picked us up that day. So we didn't stay overnight in the hotel. And it was just just marvellous. It just opened up a whole new world to us. And we decided there and then that the next time there was a science fiction convention in Glasgow, we would go and we'd stay in the hotel. That was the big deal. You know, we would actually stay overnight. Now, as it happens, Craig didn't. I don't think it was Craig. And I did stay over with a friend. We booked a, a twin room in the Albany Hotel for Albacon 1980 just before our uh, O-grades, and, and it was brilliant again. It was, you know, just, what can you say? I mean, I, I bought drink illegally at the bar because I was the tall one and all my friends were too short to get drink. We watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think 2001 was on again, lots of Star Trek episodes. There was a fashion parade. But the best thing about going to conventions in those days was Bob Shaw who was a science fiction writer. He remains my favourite science fiction writer. I just love his stories. They are just amazing. They're very short novels, but they are just brilliant. And he loved fandom, and he used to come to all the conventions. He used to give a very funny talk at every convention, uh, making fun in a very affectionate way of science fiction and science fiction fans. And I met him on a couple of occasions. I've still got a couple of books signed by him and dedicated to me. And it was a wonderful way of just getting to realise there were more science fiction authors out there than just Isaac Asimov, who was really just about the only one that I'd read, apart from Frank Herbert's Dune at that time. As a newspaper man, I'm, I just love the fact that you refer to the Doctor Who logo as a masthead. I'm the same. Yes, that's right. That's, I meant to say logo, but that's the word that came to mind. So what was, um, what was your first experience or... When did you first become aware of conventions, Kenny? Like yourself, it was via DWM and things like that. I remember the 20th anniversary Radio Times special had a feature on, I think it was an American bench, and then there were loads of people, as you say, cosplaying, uh, including a rubbish Cyberman. Like it was that a guy who dressed in like a bin bag and painted it silver and put a bucket in his head and looked ridiculous. It's still very funny. I like that picture. And 
Yeah, that was sort of it. And then I remember DWM had a feature and I think it was a competition to go to one. And somebody won it. I think the guy's name was Randeep Kooner. Mm. And I don't know why that stuck in my head, but he won the competition to go. And I think he did a report for DWM on attending some convention. So, yeah, that was my first introduction to him. But do you remember the first convention type thing that you went to, Dave? Well, Kenny, you, you know, you and I have talked about this and gently argued whether or not they count or not. I suppose technically the first sort of things that I went to would have been the two events that John Nathan Turner organised in Paisley. There was one in 1992, I think in March. I want to say March. It might have been May, it I'm May. not sure. It was, it was very sunny, but then it was all... Was it in May? It was always sunny in Paisley in 1992, so that's why it's hard to remember. And then there was another one following year in October 93, which was literally the week that I started at Stateside Comics. And so the very first weekend in that, in my first full-time job as an adult, I had to... I, I got the Saturday off to go to a Doctor Who event. I, did, I don't really count them as conventions because there was no dealer's room. There wasn't too much in the way of organised sort of signings and stuff. They were very much, especially the, the first one at Paisley Arts Centre, very much just a sort of series of lectures. But they were, I suppose, the first convention-y type things that I went to. Yeah, so that was 92, 93. The first proper actual convention with the word convention in the title would have been the 1994 Glascac, which was the, the Glasgow UK comic comic convention when I was working at Stateside Comics and me and Richard, one of my Stateside colleagues, we went we went along on a Sunday. I think we got passes possibly via the shop and we just handed in from somewhere else who'd been and wasn't going back. And I just spent spent my time in the, the dealer's room. I remember Rich and I going into the bar and just sort of turning turning around again, going but straight back out because there was a very, you know, sense of what are you doing in, in this bar, stranger sort of vibe. Yeah, dealers, dealers rooms are always my favourite things, but conventions, I've been a few other comic conventions since. I have to say that I've never really been one for, at comic conventions anyway, for sitting and listening to the guests. I just kind of go with my wants list and have my head down and my bum up and going through boxes looking for stuff. I mean, like you have my first convention type experiences where those GNT events Let's say the first one, May 92, when Tom Baker was a headliner and there was Bill Sellers, who directed the Celestial Toymaker, Gary Downey, JNT. Yeah, there, there were quite a few people along. Sort of Caroline Ford. Yes, of course. Yeah. Caroline Ford was She was That's brilliant. Right. She was God, really, really, she was good. really up. Courtney as well brought his, the Briggs Brillo pad. Yeah. And yeah, that was quite yeah. a, I mean, it was a great event. And then the following year, when it came back for the 30th anniversary, God, that's so long ago. Well, myself, mm. Alistair McGowan and Alan Morton, we were the editors of Paisley Pattern, the Glasgow Doctor Who group fanzine. And for some reason, we get invited to contribute and do the programme for the event. So that was great fun to do. It took a load of time to research and stuff. And well, there you go, 19, 1993, when I was a student journalist and writing about Doctor Who for some event and stuff. So yes, that was quite good fun. Yeah, I, I remember... Um... I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I remember um, our dog Toby, who we hadn't had for very long. He was only about five or six months old, Black Lab. <laughs> he was still very young. Like the day after the, the second event, the 19, 1993 event, I got home from work to, to find that Toby had completely destroyed my copy of the programme. So I don't have one anymore. <laughs> and I was like, all right. My mum said, oh, God, I thought you'd have got up like a blue light. And I was like, well, it's Toby. I can't really be too angry. <laughs> but that was that was a good weekend. That was the first time I saw Sylvester McCoy or met Sylvester McCoy. Got um, got his autograph on a what did I get his autograph on? I think it was just a photograph actually that I took with me that I bought in Movie Magic. Janet Fielding, I remember, 
did a, a sort of talk where she was very critical about Doctor Who and got a kind of frosty reception from the crowd. June Hudson did some stuff about costume design. I remember John Ethan Turner doing a question and answer session, and this was before Dimensions in Time had been on. And I asked him if the, my question was if the if the doctors all met, and he said, and which was a, a an important question to ask before I felt. And he told us that they didn't. And I remember being like, oh, okay. But man, you know, we were so starved of Doctor Who in those days that I was still I was still end up really really hyped for Dimensions in Time. <laughs> Oh, two of your favourites there, Tom. Sylvester McCoy and Dimensions in Time in one minute. <laughs> that was your highlight, David. Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the, I would ask for my money back if I ever had paid to get into a convention and end up speaking or talking with anyone about Dimensions in Time. Jesus. <laughs> my next event was a proper convention in Manchester. And uh, that was for Monopticon 2 when I went down with Alan Morton. We had a great time. And as I've recounted previously, got to interview Sylvester McCoy, which was in The Day I Met the Doctor, when I, as we did a few weeks ago. And then that summer, Alan and I went over to the Isle of Man to meet Liz Sladen, who was doing an event with Anna ah. Ramos, which was amazing. I'd never been to Isle of Man and I've never been there since, but I automatically associate it with Elizabeth Sladen and her lovely husband Brian and daughter Sadie who I'm now in regular contact with for Vortex and stuff so that was a really really nice weekend but yeah I, I really enjoyed that one. After Monopticon 2 and having been to the Isle of Man I was you know, quite heavily involved in both the Glasgow and Edinburgh Doctor Who groups at the time. I was a leader of the Glasgow Doctor Who group in 1994 so a whole bunch of us decided let's go down to Monopticon 3 which we did and had a great time. There must have been about 20 of us between the Glasgow and Edinburgh groups. And we just had an amazing time. Loads of drinking, Brilliant. loads of laughs, loads of hanging about. Um, you know, just I've got camcorder footage of it and just ridiculous, crazy stuff of um, <laughs> going down to meet Ness Bishop uh, off of DWM when she was writing all yeah. the reviews and things and um, who Alistair yes. McGowan absolutely was in love with. And I think myself. we were all I think we were all in love with Vanessa Bishop to an extent. But the last time I remember seeing her at an event was the, the 40th anniversary Panopticon. She kind of vanished at that point after that, taking a few hearts with her. <laughs> yeah. We I mean we just there were so many of us and we just had a great time. We were just, you know, everywhere we went, we just had a laugh. Everybody was in such a good mood constantly. I think I think I was around the weekend that Blackburn Rovers won the Premier League or it virtually set them up to win the Premier League. It was Easter '94. And just had such a great time, so many Brilliant. laughs and happy memories of like, um, there's pictures of me in a McDonald's having a breakfast, sitting in Ronald McDonald's car, pissed out my face with Darren Scott, and we just had a, who's now editor of SFX, and we just had such a great time. Then later that year, we went down to Dreamwatch 94. I don't remember the first 93, but that was the uh-huh. DW, DWB organised its own convention called Dreamwatch, and that was where they launched right. the... Return of the Sontaran Shakedown film. And that was the mm. big premiere event. Everybody went down and it was just an absolute disaster. It was The event was awful. People all fell out with each other, which was really irritating and a bit of a shame. I think we just all expected it to be just like Monopticon all over again. We were in London and just had a, I don't know, it just, the atmosphere was awful. And we we're meant to be getting a whole load of stuff about the dark dimension to find out about that. And Basically, it was just one man, Adrian Riggles, were standing on stage talking about, oh, we were going to do this, going to do that. And it was just very poor. My highlight of it actually came when Alan Morton and I went for a walk outside. And this event had originally been announced as being celebrating 10 years of the Caves of Androzani. 
when they couldn't get Peter Davison, they changed it and made it 20 years of Genesis of the Daleks. And when Alan and I were outside, we were walking along the road and Alan just suddenly turned and went, you're John Normington to a passing man. And it was, it was John Normington, the man who had <laughs> played Morgus out walking his wee dog. And it was just so bizarre. <laughs> There's a Doctor Who convention going on just down there, which was meant to be Caves of Androzani. He's like, oh, that's lovely. And we just thanked him very much for his work in the series and seeing how much we'd enjoyed it. And off he went. Really? Amazing. That's hilarious. <laughs> Tom, um, have you ever been to an actual Doctor Who convention? Uh, so I've never been to a, a Doctor Who convention. I've never been to one that's just for Doctor Who. What? What? Shocking. No way. You call yourself this. a fan. Shocking, Tom. Shocking. Well, Tell us more. We'll Tell to, us why. We'll have to fix that. We should all go to one together and do a live panel as the power of three. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> the next time, I mean, I, I, you know, life got in the way. I didn't go to another convention until 1995 when Worldcon came to Glasgow. And because Strathclyde Regional Council, which I worked for at the time, was hosting it because we owned the SEC where the convention was, I was asked to write a speech for the convener of Strathclyde Regional Council, a lovely guy called Councillor Bill Perry. And I wrote this speech for him that included all of the old cliches about science fiction. And, you know, and when you're finished at this this weekend's events, I hope you'll have a a safe voyage home and, you know, you welcome to this undiscovered country and blah, blah. You know, all I've shoved everything in about the Force and Star Wars, Doctor Who references. And it and Bill was one of the first of the VIPs to speak and he got a huge round of, just people loved it. And he was really chuffed. He told me afterwards, he was very grateful for the speech and he was just so aglow with the, the, the praise and the reception he got. Now it was just lucky that he spoke first because the next up was the Glasgow city provost and whoever had written his speech, maybe it was a she, I can't remember. It was a, I think it was Alec Mawson at the time had thought, had come up with exactly the same idea that I had. And all of the same jokes and cliches and puns were in it. And it, it went down like a lead balloon because they'd all just heard it from <laughs> Bill. So that was lucky for me. Oh, that's brilliant. And I also found out at that, at that convention, I was walking around, I was given a free pass because I had done the speech and I'd got to know the organisers. They gave me two free passes, which were really expensive, 150 quid each. And I gave one to Craig, who'd come with me on my very first convention. He was up visiting Scotland at the time. And so I was browsing around the stalls and I came across Neil McIntosh, my big boss, the chief executive of Strathclyde Regional Council. And it turned out, as soon as this appeared on the agenda, he had bought a ticket right away to get in. He was a huge science fiction fan and nobody knew this. And he was a very self-effacing, very modest uh, guy, and he was really nice to work with. And he never, no one really knew very much about his private life, but he was a huge um, sci-fi fan, so that was nice. Is there any reason why you've never been to a dedicated Doctor Who convention? I think I've said during the podcast that after about 1987, 88, I, I really wouldn't count myself as a Doctor Who fan. I stopped watching the show, I stopped collecting the books, and I didn't really collect any of the New Adventures or the Virgin Adventures, the BBC books or anything. I, it just it was a phase of my life that I thought had passed. And it really didn't return, to be honest, until shortly before the, the show came back in 2005. I mean, I was very excited about the TV movie un- until I watched it. And and it was really just before, just after I became an MP, I think I, I, so I discovered eBay around at the same time. And I suddenly realized what I wanted to do was collect all of the old Target paperbacks that I used to have and which I sold in 1980 to get money 
to go to Albacon in 1980. And I kind of regretted doing that, you know, ever since. And, I've, and, and I, so I started getting into Doctor Who again, reading some of the novelization, the, the new novels and buying Doctor Who magazine again. And then, of course, the show restarted and that's where I kind of rekindled my love for it. But since then, I mean, as an MP up until four years, five years ago, I just did not have the time to go to Doctor Who conventions. When you've got, a, I mean, you know yourself, I mean, I had a young family for most of that time. It just the idea of disappearing for a weekend for something as trivial as Carolyn would see it as a Doctor Who convention just was out of the question. Then, of course, we were quite lucky around 95, 96, because rather than us having to go to conventions, some came to us, Dave, with the Scarrison event. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I think we talked about this briefly before when we did The Day I Met the Doctor. The people who ran the Scarrison conventions, Vortex events, they were called. That's a good title for something, isn't it, Ken? <laughs> <laughs> we should appropriate that. We should, we should run our own convention and call it that. Um, they had done some little sort of one-day wonders but they had the first, their first Scarrison convention was in March 1996, by which time I think, as I've said in the past, I was working, working for Abbey National. And I was working on the Saturday morning of the convention, so I missed, I believe I missed John Pertwee on stage, but my main abiding memory of that, well, my two main abiding memories of that convention are meeting Tony Nixon for the, the first time, because we had a mutual friend in the form of a, a chap called Stephen Ottaway, and Tony and I became really, really good mates after that. I'm still in touch this day, etc. But the other thing I remember was the train bringing some of the guests was late. So to keep us entertained, I remember Mark Doherty talking about this, his disdain. They stuck a television on the stage, not even on the stage, I think in front of the stage, a video recorder, and put on the, the recently released extended cut of The Five Doctors. <laughs> and people just basically sat about until Sophie Aldred's train got in. <laughs> it was... um. It was very unfortunate. Do you remember all that happening? It rings a bell. I mean, I think, knowing me, I'd possibly have been in the bar and not that bothered about it and just wandering about in, in the day drinking. A long time ago, not these days, but that was a while ago. But yeah, I just remember the, it was a bit of a trouble. I had trouble finding the entrance to the first one uh, to get into the hotel. Um, no, it's the second one because the first one was in the Ingram Street one. Yeah, trouble finding the entrance to the hotel, but eventually blundered in and met my old scout leader's son, who was there. And he's now an accomplished writer, uh, Douglas Lindsay, who sure. created the Barney Thompson books. And he was there. And yeah, it was quite, it was, it was fun. It was just seems so bizarre having Doctor Who people on our own doorstep. Yeah. yeah. I remember the, um, the first one, the 96 one, was, in, was further out, was a little further up kind of just off Hope Street, sort of that sort of end of the town, but they'd done, I think their one and Duns had been in, in Ingram Street, and then the 1997 Scarrison was in Ingram Street, if in memory serves, because I, I, my camcorder went everywhere in those days. I've got tons of stuff from both those conventions. I've got the whole, in fact, I camcorded, videoed the whole, of the, the panel from the first Scarrison with John Pertwee and Colin Baker on stage together. Wow. I'll still have that somewhere in date, which I don't know, might be of interest to someone somewhere. I don't know. But it was, I remember it was when Colin was playing in Great Expectations. So he had his long hair, all tied back. And that, that was going to be Ken. That was like the first time I met Elizabeth Sladen. First time I met Sophie Aldred. Last time, obviously, we saw John Pertwee because he died like less than two months later. Right? So yep. It was very fun. That, that first convention, I mean, it was a, as far as an, it was an organizational nightmare, it was a mess for all that sort of stuff. 
but it was it was very significant. It was it was a lot of fun. Yep. And after this, I didn't go to a convention for years. The next one I ended up was at Panopticon 2003, which again, we've touched on before. The main thing I remember from that is standing next to Paul McGann in the bar as he chatted to Michael Jason, although I didn't actually interrupt him because that would have been rude, and dancing with India Fisher. Yeah, I went to quite a few Doctor Who conventions after that. Because I've become pals with Tony, we went to, well, obviously there was the second Scarrison in 1997, but there were no doctors, but they did have... Barry Letts, Nicholas Courtney and Deborah Watling, all of them are sadly no longer with us, and Louise Jameson, who was wonderful. And it was much better organised than the first one they'd done. And it was a really, really fun time in the Saturday evening. Took lots of games and stuff. Marty Fairgreave doing a sort of elimination quiz, 15 to 1, I think it was based on, sort of quiz round thing. But Tony and I, in, later in the, I think in 97, very soon after, no, it was before Scarrison, it was a few weeks before it, Tony and I, I'd been visiting Tony in Cambridge, and we went up to Manchester for that year's Monopticon, which was amazing because I met so, I mean, the first few Doctor Who conventions that I went to, I really was just trying to get as many autographs and take as many names off as I could. So I, I, I met people like Caroline John and Michael Craze and Mary Tam and Matthew Waterhouse and the unit mob for the first time. Was that, might have been when I met Wendy Padre for the first time, I'm not sure, I can't remember. But that was, that was, that was epic, that was an exhausting weekend, because it was the weekend that Labour had won the, the general election. Hey! Britain won the, the Eurovision Song Contest, and, you know, it, it was good times. The, the first Monopticon was epic, it was absolutely exhausting. And then a few months later, Tony and I went to Panopticon that year, which I've mentioned, I'm sure I've mentioned on the podcast before, it was the first time I met Peter Davison. And then the following year, we went to Panopticon, in Coventry again, and that was when I first met Peter Purvis. 99-2000, I seem to remember, we went to a couple as well. It was in the Hotel Leofric in Coventry, but these, these conventions were called Battlefield. And we were kind of old hands at it by that point. You know, dealer's room, panels, picking who we wanted to see, autographs we wanted to get. I remember in the 2000 convention, getting photographs with Peter Davison and Anthony Ailey and Sylvester McCoy, and that was when I talked to Anthony Ailey about the land of time forgotten. That was when Peter Davison and I sort of shared a moment when we discussed the fact that um, I nearly said what we talked about. Actually, I shouldn't say that. We talked about something sort of um, vaguely sort of scurrilous about um, one of his former co-stars. Interesting. <laughs> we into detail. Yeah. The sort of late 90s, turn of the, the century. I mean, I bought, I bought my flat in 2000, which kind of meant that any, you know, my, my ability to indulge myself and go on these expeditions to the other side of the country to meet Doctor Who actors and spend a fortune kind of, you know, my my disposable income evaporated, so it wasn't really practical to do that anymore. They were sort of the, the, the heydays, but then I remember we all, Tony and I also went to the, the 2003 40th anniversary convention, which I'm sure we've also talked about on the on, on the on the podcast. My main memory of that was that it was the worst dealer's room I've ever been to. It was literally two tables. It was, it was crap and a lot of queuing and a lot of really badly organised stuff. But generally... I had a great time because because there wasn't a dealer's room, Tony and I just went, right, we're just going to go to as many panels as possible. By that point as well, significantly, charging for autographs had kicked in. This had kind of crept in the late 90s because there was a, I remember there was a thing at the Exhibition Centre in Glasgow in 98, a memorabilia affair, and Peter Davison was one of the guests at that, and my sister and I went over and spoke to him and got him to sign a photograph and something else for someone else I knew we kind of chatted to him a bit but that point that was the first time I'd ever actually paid to get something signed nowadays it's the standard and I, I've in the past I've, I've kind of I don't know if I've talked about it on here but I've been kind of quite critical of that sort of thing I mean I understand that it's and actors have got to, to earn a buck and all that sort of stuff but when when they started charging for autographs 
you know, charging for signed photographs is one thing, but charging just to get someone's charging a five or just to sign someone's book, I just think always, I've always been a bit cynical at that. I think it's a little bit exploitative. I but anyway, know. it really was an interesting and happy time, the late nineties, early noughties, despite the fact they didn't have a TV series because Doctor Who fandom was such a thriving, as we knew it in those days anyway, it was such a thriving thing because we we were we went moping about not having a, a TV series anymore. We kind of think we'd all accepted it wasn't coming back. We had the books, we had the and we had the old series episodes to celebrate, you know, and it was the most controversy you got was was maybe someone popping up and saying they didn't like season 17 very much. <laughs> you know, because there was constant reappraisal of the old series and without any of the you know, the sort of, there wasn't too much of the sort of tribal aspect that you sometimes see nowadays, which is unfortunate. It, it was a good time, you know, it was probably my favourite time of being a Doctor Who fan, despite the fact there wasn't actually a TV series on. At the t- you know, at the time, it was really odd. Yeah, I know what you mean. It was, if there was disagreements, it was something stupid. And then we maybe fought and then we made amends. It was almost like a picture Boys quote there. Yeah, it was absolutely fine. It was, you know, just how your disagreements. Yeah, I mean... Then, I mean, for example, people saying that, oh, I think that, you know, the Davis era is so poor because there's no humour in it and Peter Davison should be doing more laughs because he's really good at it. And then you'd debate it and then that'd be it. And then be like, right, okay, let's go. And, and then you'd find something yeah. both mutual yeah, and say, oh, how great is season seven? Yeah. What, what else can we talk about now? And there was, all, there was always a thrill of guests maybe doing the first conventions for the first time. And, yeah. you know, no one had become jaded. No, and people weren't very you know, proprietorial about the whole thing. People didn't assume to speak for every single Doctor Who fan. And, you know, debate and discussion and interpretation of the stories was always healthy. It was it was it was a good time. You know, the pre the pre social media days obviously, you know, so things have changed very much since. Yeah. And the fact there's respect for other people's opinions. God, how old do we sound? You could listen to other people give their opinion. You could disagree with it violently, but obviously not to the point of hitting. But that was it. And then you said, okay, right, move on. And you don't need to keep it going and going yeah. and dragging everyone else into it, and so be it. But anyway, that's um, let's let's move away from the negativity because that's not the kind of people we are. We are positive people, aren't we? We should talk about inventions that were organised by our good friend Alan McWan in, in the the, the noughties because he he had his very enjoyable and you know not just saying that because I was sort of actively involved on the days very enjoyable army of guests conventions. There was one I believe in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, and then two thousand and nine. Yeah. And they were great. I remember the first one sort of chaperoning John Leeson and Nicola Bryant during their panel. I remember getting a lovely photograph with Fraser Hines and Deborah Watling at the first one. Nice photograph of Nicola Bryant too. Um, I remember Kenny interviewing Nicola Bryant at the first one. 2008 one was, was also quite good because my friend Steve Higgins, who is a friend of the show and is probably listening right now. Hi, Steve. I'm waving. He was over from the States for the, for the first time and we matched the time it so that um, he came over and came along to Army of Guests and I think he ended up being vaguely involved on the day. Alan got him to take some, you know, take money from people who were queuing up to get their photograph taken with someone. One thing I remember from that one was when we, you know, we, um, we all went for dinner, we all went for lunch with some of the guests and myself and Steve and my wee sister Alison, we were sort of managed to, to place ourselves directly opposite to West McCoy, Sarah Sutton and Peter Purvis. Mark Owen was at that one as well. Not Mark Owen from Take That, our, our pal Mark Owen. I remember because Mark and Steve were talking to, to Purvis while we, Alice and I were sat with Sarah Sutton's of S. McCoy. That was good. And then there was another one the following year in a different venue, big sort of church in Glasgow. 
which was, I think, genuinely the best convention venue I've ever been in because it meant the people who were sort of queuing up for the signing could still look down and see into the big central chamber where everything was taking place. And I remember talking to you at that, Kenny. There's a good chat with you. I've got a photograph of you and Paul Moore doing the, the back-to-back Davis and Emily pose somewhere. <laughs> I'm having a really good chat with Mark Owen at that one. Some of the big Finnish folk were up and I remember speaking to David Richardson and sort of saying how pleased I was that they were starting to do the Companion Chronicles because I was a big Hartnell fan, so I was glad that they were employing Peter Purvis and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, what, what are your memories of Alan's conventions? Oh, crikey. These are, for me, because I, I was lucky enough to be asked to be an interviewer for these. So I yeah. got to interview for one of them, Sylvester McCoy and Nicola Bryant, which was fantastic. Because I remember at one point, I was actually sitting on stage talking to Sylvester and I just had an out-of-body experience. I'm just like, I felt myself floating up and just sort of looking <laughs> down and it's like, you're on stage and you're interviewing Doctor Who. And Sylvester noticed this and he looked at me and says, are you all right there? You just suddenly seem to have sort of like drifted away and I'm, I'm just having to explain myself to saying it was such a surreal experience. It was just one of those moments that, you know, <laughs> if you told me at 14 that I'd be talking to Sylvester McCoy in a room full of 100 people and I was the one leading the chat, then uh, yeah, that would take me completely by yeah. surprise and wouldn't have believed it. Interviewing Nicola was lovely. She's such a, a wonderful, warm, kind human being. Yeah, and then the following year, I got to do the Big Finish panel, which was really, really good fun with Nick Briggs and David Richardson. And I remember afterwards, Nick saying to me, you know, you're not bad at asking questions. <laughs> and then he, then he realised what he said. like, of course, you're a journalist, I forget. <laughs> which was really nice. And um, yeah, I had a good chat. I, did, I also did, um, that one year, did Anna Hope and Colin Spall, which was quite interesting. Oh, yeah, I remember their experiences. I was Anna Hope's chaperone while she was doing a signing. I remember that mm-hmm. as well. I remember, the, I remember the following year, I who did I, I think I, I babysat the doctor himself, babysat Colin Baker and looked after Nicola Bryant. And I remember talking to Andrew Smith at that one because he came into HMV quite soon afterwards and we, we chatted away and, you know, it's when we properly became pals. I always felt sorry for Alan, Alan McWan because he put so much time and money and effort into organising those conventions. And I just wish he'd had a bit more support. I wish a few more people had gone along because they really were special. They were really, really good. They did not feel... You know anything like the sort of the the corporate sort of way that um you know conventions had started to go by that point. We should also mention actually we've skipped over the the couple of times when Alan organised little one-off events when when you interviewed Colin Baker and, and Hamish Wilson, but I think of we course. might have talked about it already. They were quite good. I remember the, the Hamish Wilson one being literally like a week or so before the Eccleston series started, and you know anticipation was huge. And what better way to celebrate it than by Kieran Kennedy talking to the guy who played Jamie for an episode of The Mind Robber. <laughs> <laughs> that was lovely. I mean, Hamish is somebody who'd become a good friend through yeah, the Rutherglen former when, I, when he lived locally and did a, quite a few stories on him. So, yeah, it was it was good just to be able to to meet him and um, and just you know, chat with him in public so everybody could sort of share in the joy yeah. that this lovely man had. He had, for... he had some really, really good stories because like, he talked about his work with Radio Clyde and how they would do the they would do the sort of continuity announcements without looking at the watch or looking at the clock just to try and time themselves. And he talked about his, his memories of when he got, you know, asked to be Jamie and all that sort of stuff. He was, ah, he was a lovely fellow, very, very nice. And I think he was very, um, I think he was very slightly taken, you know, very taken aback at how pleased we all were to see him. So yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, it was. And more recently, I've only 
done big finish days in the last decade, which were great. Particularly for a real mm. surprise when Ben has to be a guest. I mean, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but the most surreal thing was for big finish day just after Companion Volume 2 came out. I think it's been early 2013. And I got the list and here's the schedule about who's to do what and when's your lunch and such like if you're on the guest list. So right at the top, so you've got Tom Baker all the way up there. Then I think there was like Paul Darrow and various other names. And then you go down the left and you've got Nick Briggs, David Richardson. And then, then you get your list of John Dorney's, Matt Fittins. And then you keep going down and down. And right at the very bottom, the very last <laughs> name in the list, Kenny Smith. And I've still got that. Hey. It made me laugh. Wait, and then tell us about that then. Tell us about tell us about being a guest at a convention. What's that like? It's very strange. I mean, I've not really gone up and done, you know, big panels and stuff, but you know, sort of sat in on them and then been asked to contribute, sort of like, oh blah 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 blah. I mean, the last big finish day I went to um, a couple of years ago because I'd interviewed Jane Slavin, Stop Swooning Dave, a couple of weeks before. I love Jane Slavin. Jane Slavin. Well, I'd interviewed her and said that she'd because she'd been in the Paradise of Death radio show, she had effectively served an apprenticeship of something like 25 years before becoming a companion. And she thought that was really funny when we <laughs> chatted on the phone. And then she quoted it a couple of weeks later when we were at the Big Finish Day. And she said, oh, if only Kenny was here. And said, no, he's over there, look. And then waved. And then, yeah, it was sort of like pitching in little bits here and there. So it's lovely. It's really nice. And then being asked to go up on stage at the end and you know, signing. People want me to sign their Vortex and or their Big Finish Companion Volume 2. And stuff. And awesome. Really, that, that's, a, that's a great idea, actually, because I've, I've got an, an F-off huge pile of Vortex on top of my one of my bookcases in the corner over there. I think the next time I see you, I'm going to get you to autograph every single one of them for oh, me. Oh, that's fine, because I'll only charge a five or a go. I'll be, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll exploit the, the, the lucrative Big Finish signed merchandise market, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll flood eBay with signed copies of Vortex. Oh, dear. <laughs> that's dear. really nice mate you know what? I'm, I, didn't, I didn't know that you'd had that experience that was lovely, I'm very pleased for you that happened that's, yeah. that's, really, the, that's really sweet the book, book signing stuff is just the most bizarre because I'm one of those people who doesn't really like his books being written on, so when people ask me to sign theirs, it's really, <laughs> very bizarre let me ask you very quickly then Kenny like, you know, um, we've made jokes in the past about how Tom has you know, a spare house bill out of his unsold copies of, of one of his books, do you, do you have a a box full of copies of the Big Finish Companion, or were you sent a few as, as you know, as as the author, or are you have you just got a couple? Yeah, I was sent a box of ten copies when I when it, that was part of my contract, and it was so bizarre. So I gave one nice. to my sister. Katie's got one kept for the future. I gave away most of the ones that I said would because I promised some to friends uh -huh. who'd, who'd give me quite a lot of help with the book and. I'll ask one if there's one going spare. I think I've only got, <laughs> I think I've only got one copy left now. I gave them to you know, people who helped me with the book, and um, yeah, and I gave you know a couple of couple to be signed. I yeah. signed a couple, and they went for charity auctions here and there. So you know, do something useful with them. If you raise a few quid for a great cause, then can't go wrong with that. Oh, I. There we go. Absolutely, Tom. You've never been to a Doctor Who convention before, so would you consider going to a proper, dedicated, exclusive themed event that's only about our favourite Time Lord? No, I wouldn't. Because for the same reason, I've still got a, a young family, young-ish family. And also, I, I couldn't be bothered getting into arguments that you're always going to have at conventions now about you-know-who and you-know-what. And frankly, life's too short. 
couldn't be asked for that. It's it's been such a long time since I've been to a Doctor Who convention. I'd, I'd really would like to. I mean, we all took part obviously in the the virtual Big Finish Day last year, and I would like as you know as as a committed Big Finish listener these days, I'd really like to go to one of their events one day. Hopefully that will happen before too long. But it's it's been such a long time since I've been to a Doctor Who convention. I really hope that I'm able to do something like that again one day. It would be really nice. I agree. I mean, I'm hoping that there will be a an in-person big finish day to go to next year down in Derby because the thing you've got there, the quad, is fantastic. It's like a theatre and they've taken over the lecture rooms and the, the screening room. It's just a wonderful, wonderful venue and there's just so many happy people there. There's none of the, the factionalism that you can get with so much of Doctor Who fandom. Everybody's there because they love big finish and that's the great thing about it. They're not there because they love yeah. one TV show era over another or are rabidly against one particular era or anything like that. It's just celebrate Big Finish and have a laugh and get pissed. <laughs> get pissed, destroy. <laughs> That'll do. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. Feel free to share your own convention memories on any of our social medias. You can find our website, power3pod.com. You can find us on Twitter, at power3pod. We're also on Facebook. You know, Comment away and let us know if you are at any of the conventions that we've talked about what you think of Kenny's on-stage interviewing technique, all that sort of thing. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that. <laughs> yes, everybody, thanks again for joining us for this little ramble through the worlds of conventions. As I say, it was quite unconventional, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Tom, say goodbye to our beloved listeners. Thanks for listening, uh, listeners. Um, it's me, Tom Harris, signing off. Uh, please join us again for the next episode. It's been great fun talking. And Dave, why don't you say fairly well to our listeners too? Yep. Take care, everyone. You know the drill by now. Check out The Impost. Check out the other two podcasts. Check out Pieces of Eight. Check out The Scottish Field. Check out our own socials. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Look after yourselves. Take care. But Dave, one last question. Before we go, what are we going to play out with today? Yes, I suggested um, Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar in relation to the conventions that Tony and I went to, but I've been overwritten with fond memories of the, the optimism of the, of the late 90s and you know going to Doctor Who conventions and the first Labour government in two decades, playing out with D-Ream, things can only get better. Oh, yeah. Teach me not a thing can only get better Get a million, no, I know that things can only get better.